Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Are you still blessed? Amen. Worship team, this was amazing. You led us into the throne room. <laughs> Hallelujah. And while you were singing, the Holy Spirit was ministering to me amazingly. Wow. When we're saying what a powerful name it is, the Holy Spirit just started to converse with me and ask me, do you really believe that? And I realize that sometimes we say things Have you, never, have you ever gone into a house where parents pray and you see the children of two years old praying like the parents? Have you seen that? He prays the way the parent prays. Amen? Sometimes it's sincere, sometimes it's just mimicking. And I realize that being with in Christianity for so long can give you habits. And those habits, you repeat them thinking that you really believe. Now, the sign of belief comes when trouble strikes. Because we can all believe when everything is fine until trouble strikes. You see, when you are under pressure, that's where what you believe comes out. There are some people when things happen to them, if you want to comfort them, they think you are being, uh, what? You're mocking them. Because we say, the Bible says, cry with those who cry and laugh with those who laugh. But sympathy does not solve problem. When you cry with me, it does not really make me feel better. It does not take my pain away. It makes me think I have a friend, that's all. But if you help me out of it, you are helping me. So the principle of crying was a cry is a good principle. It's scripture. scripture. But how many times Jesus cried with those who cried? Even in the story of Lazarus, he did not cry because Lazarus was dead. He cried because of the unbelief. That made him cry. And this morning, I said it at the Bible school. I know I shocked the people, and I, I want to say it again. The Bible said that Jesus went to his hometown, and he could not do many miracles except for laying his hand on few. Amen. Because of the unbelief. Now, look at the wording. The Bible says he didn't want to. 
They say he couldn't. Come on. He couldn't. Not that he didn't want. Couldn't mean that you were prevented, but you wanted to. Didn't want to means it's a will for you not to do it. But when you say, I couldn't go, it means that you wanted to go, but something prevented you to go. I don't know if you change. I'm not English. I'm trying my best. I'm on, I'm, 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 it's right. So that tells you that when Jesus went to his hometown, he might have said to a cripple, arise, and the crippled man sat. And he was like, wow. That thing works everywhere I go. He could not. So the unbelief made his word weak. So, so somebody said, Jesus has never failed in miracle. He did. In his hometown. It's in your Bible. They said, then he marveled at the unbelief. He marveled. Listen, you marvel at something that impressed you. But they say, the unbelief was marvelous to him. Wow, what a form of unbelief. I have never seen this. He marveled at the unbelief. Oh, my Lord. That was the word the Bible used. They said, then he marveled. Heaven was shocked. Hi. <laughs> they didn't know there could be such a level of unbelief that resist the word. The word made flesh. Unbelief resisted. Yes. So don't come and tell me that if the Bible says so, why does it not happen? Hey. It's in the Bible. I told you why sometimes it does not happen. Look at how they despised him. When he went there, he was even doing wonders. They said, ah, isn't that the son, the carpenter? Isn't that the carpenter? Look at how they reduced Jesus to carpentry. Not that carpentry is bad, but that was not his mission. Say, isn't that the son of a carpenter? Now, how do you want a carpenter to heal you? They, they ridiculed Jesus. Do you know that the closest people of Jesus received less miracle than those who were far from him? Look at his brothers. His brother told him, if you can do all this thing, why don't you do it publicly? He said, it's easy for you to say so. But my hour has not come yet. Look at how even in his house, they despised him. And then when they despised him, they couldn't get results. And then, you know, when you don't have results, you have a tendency to doubt the, 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 the truthfulness of the thing. But some people come and they get the results. Listen, do you really believe what we say? So, Jesus, our Messiah, the master himself, went and he was surprised. Have you ever marveled at the unbelief of somebody? Like you look at him, wow, this is, this is amazing. 
There are two times in the life of Jesus where the Bible says he marveled. One to the unbelief and one to faith. Hallelujah. He said to somebody, I haven't even found such a faith in Israel. He marveled. But when he got to his town, he marveled also at unbelief. People say, unbelief does not move heaven. It does. It does not move heaven into action. It moves heaven into marvel. Hi. <laughs> because for, for heaven, they don't understand. I'm sure sometimes angels don't understand us. Hi. They say, what is happening to these guys? We wish we could be in their position, bearing the image of a son, being the visible image of an invisible God. This morning, it's an appeal to us. But I know our problem. I really know our problem. Our problem is that we have been desensitized. I'll explain to you what I mean. We've been desensitized. You know, the more we have technology, the more we drift away from God. And not that technology is bad. It came to facilitate stuff, but we have turned it into God. You know, there are some people, and we say, this is crazy. There was a man that I heard the testimony. If you want to go to your house, he does not phone you to hear if you are there. He asks the Holy Spirit. He says, shall I go? Will I find him? And when the Holy Ghost says, no, he does not go. If the Holy Ghost goes, say, yeah, he goes, and he finds you. And when he meets you, most of the time you expect, you say, oh, I was even thinking of you. But we have cell phones. So why must I waste my time asking God? I just phone him. And I'm not saying it's bad. Listen, I want to show you the level of being desensitized and being pulled away from God. And, and hear me, I'm not talking against advancement. I'm talking about the advancement shouldn't replace God. You see, we're talking about translation. Somebody say it's crazy. Why do you need translation if you can ride a car? Or you can take a plane? I say there might be days where car will, cars will fail, where planes will fail. It might be. So what are we going to do? Look at, we depend so much on ESCOM that we are so angry. Yes. Do you realize your anger with government and ESCOM also? It's your level of dependency on those things. When I went to visit my uncle in the farm, we didn't have ESCOM, we didn't have all this. We were never frustrated. <laughs> at night, we put the mats out and we look at the sky, we look at the stars, we eat, the time is big, we sleep, we fight. 
And then technology started to come. The first time TV came in that remote area, ooh, I remember, we all crowded like this. I was looking at TV, and the images were black and white those days. And then because the signal was not good, it goes, and then we sit there, we look at, but we, we were so caught up in that TV thing that our activity of playing under the moon was gone. Everybody was looking at the lies. In those days, when a father said to his wife, I love you, there's a way to say it. You will go to the, to the market, buy a fabric, come and give it to your wife. She knows the dad is saying, I love you. Now they turn everything. If you, if you do, I say, where is my flower? They saw it on TV. Where they, 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 because... Because, because we have lost our identity and we need to know the identity of God. We don't receive love anymore because we want the love to be in love of Hollywood. So they say, my husband is so not romantic. I know the book of Romans. And I know that if you read the book of Romans chapter number one, and you go through to Romans chapter number 13, you will know that what people call love sometimes is condemned by the Bible. Hallelujah. No, we need to come back to God. Yeah, we need, we need really to come back to God and be Holy Spirit-led. So that whatever I do to my partner shall be Holy Spirit led. So that because God knows his need or her needs. So if God can inspire me to meet a need, it will be a blessing. Let's go back to be Holy Spirit people. Uh, I say let's go back to be Holy Spirit led people. People that are full of the Holy Ghost. That not depend on the variation of the things of the world, but depends on the moving of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need. Say that's what we need. We need that so much. I say we need that so much. It, it's awkward now you ask a Christian, what is God telling you? God telling me. When is the last time the Holy Spirit spoke to you? Oh, that was yesterday, and uh, in my prayer time, and they start to be spiritual. And as I was in the spirit, the Holy Spirit told me, "Say, ah, you need all this. You need to be on the cloud for your friend to talk to you, while he can talk to you anytime. When you are driving, he talks to you. Uh, when you are, when you are, even when you are sleeping, he talks to you. So what is this? Well, I was in the speech. I was even praying in tongues. What is that? That's why. We, that's why we lie. What is that? God wants to talk to you. What are you doing? Think when God comes. We are not witch doctors. We are people of the world. You, 
you, you can be in your senses and God talks to you. Actually, when you become so emotional, it does not last. Yes. Imagine your father won't talk to you. Say, come. Hey, <laughs> relax. <laughs> I just want to talk to you. <laughs> Ooh, <wait now. laughs> and, and listen, listen, listen. I'm not, I'm not speaking against God, moving people. No, but I'm talking about the flesh-induced stuff. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about spirit-induced. Because the Holy Ghost comes on you. You can fall. Somebody says, but why people fall? Because Jesus didn't say they must fall. I said... It makes me lie down in green pastures. That feels like falling to me. Even the mountain trembled when God came on top of it. So what is your business? No, what I'm trying to correct is that charismatic movement have a tendency to think that if you don't do funny things, God is not there. And that is a lie from Satan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If some people can't give prophecy while doing those funny things, taking the tongue out like snake. What is that? Just speak. We want to hear what you are saying. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I want to correct something. So that, so that the movement may be pure. Because God is about to move in a bigger level. And if we, are, if we are not going to set the record straight, we're going to have confusion. That's why people, when the Holy Ghost comes on some place, they bark like dogs and they think it's the Holy Spirit. Say, I hear you. Yes. I say, yes. Ah, if you are offended, God bless you. It, it will just last for a while and you will be healed. Because the truth shall set us free. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, like I said, when God comes, he does what he wants to do. But sometimes we do more than what he's doing. And that's where the problem lies. We must just do what he's doing. If the Holy Ghost comes on me and the voltage of heaven is on me and I'm shaking, it's fine. I have no problem with that. But when I start to kick people around me, that there is a problem. Yeah, I shouldn't shake in the way that kick them here, kick them. What is that about? <laughs> we are all in the house. This spirit is a disciplined spirit. Hallelujah. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I say thank you, Jesus. Because the Holy Ghost wants to do things in our lives, but sometimes we prevent him from doing it because we grieve him. You know that if the Holy Ghost is not doing something and you are doing it in his name, it grieves him. 
You see, sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to move in the house and somebody in the flesh stop the whole thing. And sometimes I have to tell them, shut the person down. Not that the person is not sincere, but the person is sincerely misled. And then we need to say, please, it's fine. It's okay. Not that we want to shame somebody, but we say, it's okay. It's okay. Because when God moves, he wants the move to be holy. He wants the move to be holy. He wants a holy move. He wants a move that transforms life. He wants a move that transforms heart. So that when you get out of here, your life is no longer the same. I have a question. I say, if you fall 10 times and your life does not change, change your way of falling. <laughs> it means somewhere, somehow, something is not right. I mean, I mean, when I fall, I want to stand up into a new dimension of this. So anytime, if I fall 10 times, I want to go 10 times in the spirit. I, w- I don't want to fall 10 times and I regress. I fall, but I'm, I don't like people. When I stand up, if I see you, uh, but I just fell. It means that if I had a conflict with you, when I fall, when I stand up, when I see you, wow, who are you? Sure. It's like I've never seen you. The Holy Ghost just ministered to my heart right now. It has changed anything, something in me. That the conflict we had, I don't even, I don't even know what happened there. So would you forgive me? That means you had an encounter. I said that means you had an encounter. So we want God to encounter people. So that when you, you fall in the spirit and you stand up, something is new. It's completely new in your life. When you fall in the spirit, you leave the disease, the pain there. You stand up and you, and you walk. Listen, falling is the same way like you've been buried. That's why baptism means to put you underwater. When you, you arise, you arise into newness of men. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, what about those who never, what, falls? It's not a problem. Before we say, Jesus didn't say, I'll come and you will fall. He said, I'll come and you will have life. So you can have life down, you can have life standing, you can have life sitting. It's not, it's not a question of falling or standing. It's a question of the result after what has happened. That's what we're talking about. It's a result. It's a result. I've seen, I've seen people falling, but they are wicked. They use the spirit as a cover up. So when they come to church, they're like, but when they get out, people say, hey, is that a Christian? Don't do that. Don't do that. The fruit of the spirit may be matured in you. Divine. Listen to my voice. Amen. I have come here to show you the sure, excellent, and more excellent way. Amen. To tell you that everything we are doing here, if there is no fruit, it means nothing. Amen. We can fall until we bury ourselves. When we wake up, we have the same, we did nothing. I'm trusting God that every falling will be a, a testament of change. Amen. I'm trusting God. That every move of a spirit here will bring about fruit. Amen. 
I don't want to be like every charismatic church where it becomes about the falling and the noise. I want, to be a, I want us to be a church where it's about the fruit, where, where, where God is changing something in our lives and God is taking us from glory to glory. A church where love is multiplied. A church where the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, kindness, goodness, those things are manifested in the lives of the people. Not a church where they know us by our falling. Let them know us by our deeds. People will say, that church where they are falling. No, they will say, that church where they love. That church where these people, if they see you in trouble, they will do anything to come and help them. That church where they will tell you the truth. Yes. Where they will not compromise. People are confused. They need somebody to tell them the truth. I went to America, I saw so many bathrooms. Male, gent, trans, get, get, get. I say, what is all this? There's only two things. You have a P or P, it finish. What is that? <laughs> Let's see what is that nonsense. We need somebody to tell the truth. Hallelujah. We need somebody to tell our people that we are confused. confused. And the result of confusion brings so many harm and, and pain in the church. And listen, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to be a preacher that is a sin pointer. I want to be a preacher that is a sin remover. Amen. So our mission is not to tell you sin, sin, sin. Our mission is to tell you this is the Lamb of God who take away the sin. You see, John, I don't know what I'm saying today, but John, uh, my message is right. John, John the Baptist came, and he was saying to the people, you brook of vipers, you this, you that. And then one day he had the misfortune to tell people, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of people say, ah, thank you. Thank you. We're going to the sin remover, not the sin pointer. So they left him. And John didn't know what happened. Because the gospel is not just about pointing sin. The gospel is about showing the way out. To say that there is a way in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the hope of nations. That doesn't matter how far you have gone. When you turn to Jesus, he's able to restore your brokenness and bring you back to fellowship with the Father. So it's not about how much, how far you have fallen. is how willing are you to surrender to the offer of life. And when you do that, doesn't matter what you have done. God restores you. So we are here to tell you there is hope. Amen. I say there is hope. Amen. Doesn't matter your condition, there is hope. Amen. Doesn't matter your condition, they say there is hope. Amen. And the hope is Jesus Christ. Amen. I say our hope is Jesus Christ. So this morning, I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what has gone wrong in your life. Maybe you were born with some things. But whatever you are born with can be rectified. Can be rectified. Can be rectified. I have so many encounters in my life 
And sometimes I talk to people who think, yo, what do you mean? I say, it's not the problem of how you are born. No, that's not the problem. The problem is, how can you be helped? You see, uh, there are people that are born with something. I've seen it a lot on 700 Club, where when the children are born, the lips is cut like this, you see the teeth. No, they don't say, oh, he's born with it, that is finished. No, they fix it. They fix it. So why do we agree on fixing only physical problems, but not emotional ones? So if we shouldn't fix any problem, let's leave also the physical part. Because you were born with it most. So I'm praying today that you may know that it doesn't matter what happens to you, Jesus can help. And it will help. It will help. Actually, that's why hospitals are there. They are there to correct what is not right. So our system is designed to correct. Hallelujah. The system is designed to correct what is not right. So let's correct everything then. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning that, that walking in the spirit... It's, it's, it's important. Because if you don't walk by the Spirit, you will compromise with the things of the flesh. And the things of the flesh are the one that kills us. You see, when you empty yourself from the flesh, you get filled with the Spirit. Yes, when you empty yourself from the thing of the flesh, you get filled with the thing of the Spirit. But the Bible says that the mind that is set on the flesh will die, but the mind that is set on the Spirit shall live. So we need to move back to the spirit of God and, and say to God, Father, we need you. And you know what? In the church, we never exclude anyone. The church is not exclusive. It's inclusive. But inclusive meaning inclusive with the rules of God, not my own rules. So I cannot come with my own rules and say, if God, if God wants to accept me, he must. No, God said, I accept you, but I have a system to put you in in changing you. So God does not reject. I was in a town and somebody told me, uh, we were talking and he was intrigued by my accent. He said, Joe, where are you from? And I told her where I was from. And then we were talking and she said, so what are you doing in South Africa? And I said, no, I'm a, I'm a, I used to say I'm a missionary. Uh, so she said, oh, which kind of church? I, I said, I don't know how to classify myself. But she said, more Protestant. I said, if you want to. Uh, one thing I know, I'm not Catholic. There's nothing wrong with Catholic, but I'm not Catholic. Uh, so, <laughs> no, no, we are talking, and the person told me, so you are the guy that rejects other people because you think yours is the only right. I said, no, 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 ma'am, you got it wrong. We accept everybody, but there's a system of change within our system. It means that you cannot take flour and eat it. If you want bread, you must know bread comes from flour or whatever it is. But when you are eating it, it has gone through a process of transformation. So we take you as you are, but we put you through a process. And when you come out the other side, you are... 
So if you want bread and you reject the flour, how do you get bread? If you want to be a, if you want to be a church and you reject the sinner, how do you get righteous people? So we don't reject sinners. We accept sinners at the door there. But we trust that throughout this process, they will open themselves to be transformed by the power of God so that from sinner we become a saint. We become righteous. So everybody is welcome. Doesn't matter. Your sin does not intimidate God. You can come. But there's a factory in heaven that transforms everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It means that if you want to appear before God the way God wants you to appear, you have to go through the door. And when you go through that door, there is a blood that is on the doorpost. And when you enter, the blood sanctifies you. And when you come out, you are a child of God. The blood of Jesus has the ability to sanctify you. Doesn't matter, it has the ability to sanctify you. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It gives hope to those who don't have hope. It gives a future to those who don't have a future. And this morning, I want the church to know that our message is to say, whoever wants may come and drink from this living water. And when you drink, you say you will never thirst again. It means there will be a system in you that will entertain the water in a way that you are not thirsty again. Listen, Jesus says, Jesus didn't say, whoever comes to me shall never drink again. He said he shall not thirst again. There's a difference. You don't need to be thirsty to drink. You drink because it keeps you alive. So if you have to be thirsty before you drink, there is something that is not right. You need to know that water is part of your system. So from time to time, when you are not thirsty, you need to drink. So that's why Jesus said, he who comes to me will, he didn't say he will never drink. He said he will never thirst. Because thirst is a condition of a body working tell you there is something wrong in you. When you are thirsty, your body is telling you there is something short in you. So being thirsty is not something that you shall brag about. Being thirsty means that you haven't drank some water. So Jesus says that when you come to me, I will satisfy you, but the need for drink will still be there. And what do you drink? You drink the relationship. You drink the Holy Spirit. You drink, you drink the things of heaven. You drink them not, not because you are desperate. You drink them because it becomes your nature. Hallelujah. So the church needs to understand that. That Jesus wants you to come to him today. You are already saved. But he said, come to the living water. So that you may, you may be planted by the, by the stream of water. You stretch your roots into the water. And you don't, see the, you don't see the bad season coming. And your leaves are always green. I want to, I want to finish with this. Are you blessed? Okay, this is not an organized message. But I, I trust that you, you get my point. Hallelujah. I didn't go from point A to B, but I knew you got it. You know what? How they call it in theology, they say you jump from the chicken to the donkey. It's a word. It's word. Then somebody says, this preaching is like jumping from chicken meat to donkey. I say it's good because in the crowd, some eat donkey, some eat chicken. So sometimes, sometimes you just... <laughs> 
Sometimes you just feed them donkey, but it's not relevant to a chicken eater. So sometimes you need to miss the bit. So fish here, donkey, chicken, everybody gets what you want. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because some people, the, what I was talking about, the spirit, it was not relevant to them. But when I switched on some stuff, it became more relevant to them. That's how the spirit works. Hallelujah. So let's go to James chapter number 1, verse 22. I want to read James, the book of James, chapter number 1. I want to read from verse 22. Can you, can we put it on the, on the screen if possible? Oh, no, I think there's a problem. If the problem is solved, you can put it. If it's not solved, I will understand. Okay. It says from verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Let's go. For if anyone is a hearer of a word and not a doer, is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. <laughs> but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, let me tell you a bit about James. James was a very practical person among the apostles. Amen. And uh, James was a leader of a church in Jerusalem. Many people have mistakenly think it's Peter. No, it was James. James was uh, the leader of a church in Jerusalem. That's why if you realize, those who were sent out, James were never sent. When the people received the Holy Spirit in the town of Samaria, it was Peter that was sent there, not James, because James was the one that was keeping this thing together in Jerusalem. That's why in the book of Acts, chapter number 15, verse 28, when the conflict came between Gentiles and Jews, the last to speak was James. Because if you know the culture, the elderly man speaks last because he brings wisdom. You understand? So that shows you who James was. So James was empowered by the spirit of wisdom. James is the one that introduced in Christianity the fact that if you have faith but you don't have deed, your faith is dead. He's the one that brought us to say to a place where he says, a body without a spirit is dead, so with faith with, is faith without action. So James was saying, faith is a spirit and the deed are the body. So he said, when you put the spirit of faith into the deed of the, 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 the action, it becomes a living thing. By, for in the beginning, God created man, and man was lifeless, but the body was there. When the spirit came into man, man stood up and walked. So James is saying, whenever you have faith, but you don't put it to practice, it's like a body that is dead without spirit. And when a, a body is dead and there is no spirit in the body, you bury it. So James says that your faith means nothing. This is the, this is the apostle James talking. No, James comes here in James chapter number 1, verse 22. He says that don't, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. Now, James is bringing a very important principle in Christianity. James is telling us the word can be done. The word can be heard and the word can be done. 
So James says that there are levels in the spirit where one level is that your ears are trained to hear the word of God and he said that level will not be enough if you don't move to the second level. And he said that second level is the level of doing it. No, James did not fail in word. He didn't say obey, he said do. Because these people knew exactly what we were saying. The Holy Ghost was upon them, so they knew the choice of words was very important in the Bible. In the Bible, no word was chosen just by mistake. The word was chosen because that word answers a question. So when James was reading, writing, he said, be doers, not hearers. Now, can I tell you that before you become a doer, you first become somebody that obeys. No, by obeying, the word becomes flesh in you. I'll show you the difference. Listen, the first time you went for your license, for those who have a driver's license, you know that you have the K50, K53, the new one. You know, it means I'm not here. The K53, the new one. When you put, you must do the assessments of a car, eh? And then when you get in, mirror, mirror, mirror. You do all this when you are driving. Now, the day you went to your test, did you do that? No, when you went for, maybe it was your, maybe a K40, K50. Now, <laughs> K53, those who went for K53, did you do that when you came? Did you do the, the examination of a car? Eh? And when you got in and you were driving, even at the robot, do you pull handbrake? As a robot. Okay. Then you were driving. And then when you have to, to, to overtake, you put flicker, look, yeah, yeah, take. You were doing that. After you got your license, are you still doing that? No, come on now. Are you still doing that? How many people sitting in this house are pulling handbrake at the robot? So what we were doing there was just obedience. You were obeying the instruction. But now you are a skillful driver. The instruction is in you. So you don't need to obey anymore. It becomes natural. When, when you want to overtake, your senses tell you you can't overtake. Because you are a skillful driver. Even your reflex are, are together with your driving. You can look and you say, it's not the right time to overtake. I don't need to do it. Because now it part of me. So when you are born again, you are born again with the spirit of obedience. But as you walk with God, the spirit of obedience comes in you and you become a doer of the word. You perform the words. Yes. You perform the words. So, so when people say don't do this, you feel like why, why do they need to tell us that? That is something we don't do. It's part of us. Hallelujah. Now, when you do the word, you display the word. The apostle Paul says something. He says, we are people that are, that are spreading the fragrance of Christ. So it's not that he put a perfume of Christ in him every morning. 
But what the Apostle Paul was saying, Christ in me. So when I walk, Christ is walking. When I talk, Christ is talking. Because Christ and I, we are one. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, he that, oh, let's read it again. I want to show you. Let's read it again. Uh, Put me there again. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hear only. Deceiving yourself. It means that, keep it there. There is a deception involved here. It means that if you are hearer of the word and you are not doing word of the word, there is a deception. So I came to understand that the enemy is not interested on you hearing the word. What he wants to prevent is for you to move to the level of doing the word. So listen, I'm sure sometimes Satan brings people to church. You don't understand that. Keep it there, I'll explain to you. Because people, people smooth their conscience when they're in church. At least I went to church. So, they, <laughs> so he tells them, I don't care if you go to church. What I want is don't change. So he knows that if they are sitting, if they are not, he knows that if they don't confess that they are a Christian, they will feel bad. So confess, but still do what you want. If Satan is not the business of preventing you to come to church anymore. It's not a business of bringing you, but keeping you the way you are. So he said, so deceiving yourself. Let's carry on. And he says, for if anyone is hearer of a word and not doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Not he is, he Now, James, 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 the spirit of wisdom is upon that man. James is telling us that the word of God is a mirror. That's what he's saying. But when you look into a mirror, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? No, you don't see yourself. No, you don't see yourself. That's what you think. You see what you wish to be. That's why you fix what is not good. Otherwise, what is the use? When you look into the mirror, you look with a vision of perfection. So when you see what the image you see there, you know, this is not me. There is something wrong here. So I need to fix it so that it can look like me. Oh, you don't check what I'm saying. You don't check what I'm saying. Because men and women, because some men also are glued to a mirror like women, so don't, don't, don't bring it to women. Don't do that. But let's take the common example that everybody takes. Allow me, women, to take your example. Without taking offense. Amen? We are not undermining anything. But a woman takes a mirror and... Uh, she wants a kind of lipstick and look a certain way. But before she puts it, she sees something that is not her. So she wants what she sees to be her. So she starts to make it in a way that that thing can become her. That's good. 
So when you look at a mirror, you don't see yourself. Ah, you think you see yourself. No. When you look at the mirror, you see a vision of perfection and you adapt the vision to you. Take the truth of mirrors. Huh? My daughter, when you look at the mirror, you do that. Why do you do that? Well, because you show yourself most. Why do you need to change? So James is saying, when you look at the Bible, you see who you are supposed to be. So when I read, I adjust myself to what I'm supposed to be. So it means my end result is to be the word. And that's who I am. But there is conditions and circumstances that have blurred my image. So for me to know who I really look like, I need to go to the word. So when I'm reading the word, that's the real man I see. The mistake people make, when they read that, they think it's making, it's condemning them. They don't know it's telling them this is who you are. You just need to put the right thing so that you can look like this, but this is you. So when I read the Bible, I say, I am holy. It feels like, yo, which holy is that? I know myself. No, no, no. You have looked into the perfect law. So it means that the holiness God is talking about is the way God sees you. And then you need, as a man, you need to know what are the things I must put on myself to look like the way I want to look there. So then you go to the word and you apply the word, you do the word, and your image is transformed from glory to glory as you look into the mirror and the perfect law of God. So that's how it works. So the Bible is not there to condemn you. The Bible is there to show you who you are supposed to be. That's why the Bible says, if he looks and he forgets, he forgets who he was. Hallelujah. Because as good as you want to be, you have never seen your face. If it's not because of a mirror, you don't see your face. Amen. If you can see your nose, you have a big problem. <laughs> it means it's out of proportion. Because, because you can have a glimpse of your nose, but if you can see your nose clearly here, there's a problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. <There's, laughs> so you have never seen your face. For you to know how you look like, you need a mirror. Hallelujah. So you have never seen yourself spiritually. There is only the mirror for which you can see yourself, which is the word of God. So every time you take the word of God, it's, you are looking at you, the perfect you that God has designed. And if you don't like something in the other side here, you fix it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you don't like something, you fix it. There are many means of fixing, of fixing something. You know, some people, when they go to bed, they look a certain way. When they wake up, they look a different way. And then... <laughs> All right. That's why if you say there's a visitor, tell them to wait. 
especially we, we, we black women. Sometimes we forget our hair in the room. So we go to... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I don't get it. God bless you here. Are you offended? What I'm trying to tell you, it feels like I'm making you laugh. But what I'm trying to tell you is that there is a way you want to be. And the way you want to be is what you try to portray in the mirror. Hallelujah. So when you look in the mirror, you can see, yay, my, head, my hair is not nice. Let me buy some hair. And you put it on. When you, oh, no, this is not that. No, no, no. You fix yourself to be the image of the perfection you want. And the mirror is there to show you the way of perfection. Hallelujah. He says, if those who don't do that are, are short-sighted, they just look at in the mirror and they look and they forget who they were. Who they were. It means, my Lord, help me here. It means that your state actually does not change. As far as God is concerned, your righteousness does not change. As far as God is concerned, your holiness does not change. What changes is the way you handle yourself. And the way you handle yourself can make you think that God's standard is changing because your mind is telling you. But if you can adjust yourself to the standard of God, it will be natural. You'll be a doer of the words. So now when you read the Bible, know you are seeing you. Hallelujah. Now, now, don't mistake me. When you see that Solomon has 700 concubines and 300 wives, that's not you. Yes. Because what we need to discern is that in the Bible, there are many things in the Bible. There are, if you study the Bible, there, is, there are many things. There is what we call the law, the precept, the, the, the poetry, the stories, that are, all this is in the Bible. Some of them are, are stories related to somebody for us to learn not to fall into the same mistake. It's not you. The only perfect law that you can look in is what Jesus has done for you. So what Jesus has done, that you, not Solomon, not David. Some of you are trying to be like David. Remember, he cheated on his wife. So you can get that anointing too. I refuse that part of the anointing. I want to be like Jesus. I say I want to be like Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. I treasure the anointing that came upon David, the anointing for worship. Oh God, I need that. But I don't need his lifestyle. If I need a lifestyle, it's the one of Jesus. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, not of David, not of Solomon, not of Elijah, that I am of Christ. Because Christ is the perfection of all these people you are talking about. They're all in Christ. So if they, when they put them together, they are all confined in Christ. That's why on transfiguration, Moses and Elijah came. Moses is the law. Elijah is the prophet. And they handed the ministry to Jesus. And they said, now that you're going to the cross, let the law cease. Let the, prof, let, let, let the ministry of, of, when you talk about prophetic, it means that they were the only one that can speak on behalf of God. He said, let that cease. Everybody comes in Christ. And now, Ephesians 14, 11 says, then I give some to be apostle, some to be pastor, some to be evangelist, some to be prophet. It does not replace the ministry of Christ. All of them form the ministry of Christ. So who you need to look up to is Christ Jesus and Christ alone. Hallelujah. Say, I want to be like Christ Jesus. 
Oh, because Christ in you, the hope of glory. They never say Elijah in you, the hope of glory. Solomon in you, the hope of glory. Abraham in you, the hope of glory. They say Christ in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why even the apostle, the, the apostle Peter said to the people, you guys say Jesus is a descendant of David, which is true. But he said, that is as far as human genealogy is concerned. He said, how can David himself call him my Lord? Because he said, David said, I saw my Lord. So how can he call his own son my Lord? Meaning that being a prophet, being a prophet, David was speaking prophetically of Christ Jesus, which is the completion and the, and, the, and the perfection of everything. So as we are sitting here, one name only, Jesus. Name above all names. That's what you sang here. We never sang the name of Elijah alone, Solomon alone. These are names that have no power. There is only one name with power to save. His name is Jesus. Somebody said Jesus. Somebody said Jesus. And in this month that is starting, I'm here to appeal to you that if you rely on that name, you will never fail. If you rely on the faithfulness of Christ Jesus, and you know the Bible says in the book of Psalm 25, it says, they that put their trust in him shall never be put to shame. So you come to the place where you say, I cannot be put to shame. The name of Jesus is with me. The I say, you. Yes. <sighs> that name has kept me my whole life. Yes. Has kept me my whole life. Amen. He's faithful. Oh, yes. And today he wants to display his faithfulness to you. Can we give a big hand to our love? Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Seven name of Jesus. Yes. Seven name of Jesus. Yes. Seven name of Jesus. I want the band to come here so that we can sing that name. Hmm. While we are coming, can you get ready for the offering? And then if you are here and you don't know Jesus, ah, you are missing a lot. I want to ask you if you are here and you know in your heart you don't have a relationship with Jesus I'm talking about, would you please lift your hand and say today I want to give my life to him? Is there anyone in the house that wants to do that? If anyone in the house that today say, I want to give my life to Christ Jesus, I'm just looking. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And, 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 and is there anyone? What I can add to it is that, hmm. oh, help me, Holy Spirit. The conflict in which we are in this world is a conflict of trust. Yes. Yes. You see, when they announce to you a news that is called a bad news, how do you react? Hmm? How do you react? Because your reaction is a display of your level of trust. Yes. Yes. If, let's say, if we come to a place, let's take a, a, a picture where this woman say is my mother and I'm her child. And I know the level 
of what she can do with finance. And I meet a problem, and I know that my mother will always stand by me. And the problem I'm meeting, my mother can cover that easily. Will I be worried? But if I don't trust a level of handling it, will I be worried? So your worry measures your level of trust. That's why Jesus says, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Because he knows when you worry, you are displaying a negative signal in the spirit. And when you display a negative signal, Satan will come. No, people, people told me that I'm a Christian, Satan cannot come to me. I say, you are deceiving yourself. Yes, I'll show you a scripture that will blow your mind. And I'll show that to everybody that I talk to. John chapter number 14, verse 30. Put it on the PowerPoint. John 14, 30. That one you can take it down if you want to. If you know it, it's fine. John 14, 30. How are you, Ria? Are you blessed? You look good. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus will tell you, so I need to say that to you. It's the same. Let's go. He said, I will no longer touch, talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. Who is he talking about? He said, and he has nothing in me. So when Jesus said, don't worry, worry is something of Satan. So when you worry, Satan has something in you. And it comes for what belongs to him. So anytime I worry, I must know I'm hosting something that is not from, of God. So the owner of that thing will come and claim it. Yes. Yes. Isa, give me your cell phone before you continue. Now, this is your cell phone. Huh? Imagine I took it, so I say I stole it. Eh? Then I put it in my bag and I'm going home and I see you coming because you know I have your cell phone. Can I tell you what are you doing with me? Because I have something that belongs to you. So if I take it to my house, the law says that I cannot intrude in your house. Amen. So if I go there, you can tell me, I don't want you here. This is my house. But I go and fetch the police with proof that you stole. They will come to your house without your own will. They have a court order. They go to your house, they get the cell phone. The police in normal time does not have any right to intrude in your house. But when you have something that does not belong to you, they come. Satan has no right to intrude in your life. But if you keep something that belongs to him, he comes. He comes. He comes. So that's why the Bible says, don't worry. Jesus said, don't worry. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't fear. Because these are things that allow Satan to, to come. So it doesn't matter what they tell you. Say, in the name of Jesus, that's not my battle. The battle is the Lord. Doesn't matter what you tell me. This is not my battle. Father, give me God to sleep peacefully because this is not my battle. You are the one that say I will not be put to shame. So this is not my battle. It is your battle. Say, the battle is the Lord. Say to your neighbor, don't worry. Say, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Hallelujah. Can we give a big hand to our Lord?